John chapter 6 verse 47 Most assuredly I say to you he who believes in me has everlasting life Who has everlasting life believes in whom Okay I am the bread of life Ooh. That's quite a statement Why what is bread What is bread and what's What's so great about bread What's so special about bread Why didn't Jesus say I am the rice of life Why didn't he say I am the dal of life Or the chicken of life Or the lamb of life He says very specifically here I am the bread of life he didn't say I am the anything else of life. He never said I am the rock of life. Right? He never said I am the barley of life. He, said, I am the, he didn't say I am the wheat of life or the flour of life. He said I am the bread of life. So what's so special about bread? What does bread signify? Think about one quality that you can say about bread. What are you more filled with? A one pound or a plate of rice? You tell me. What's more filling? Really? Come on. Why bread? And, and I'm telling you, this has to do with healing. So please pay attention. Okay. That's, that's a clever one. <laughs> but, but he's also speaking that to us. So, I mean, it could have been cross-cultural. <laughs> Something special about bread. You know, one thing I noticed, and I noticed this in the morning when the same message was in the morning. So I noticed this in the morning. The one, mess, the one thing that I notice about bread is, you know, you talk about rice, you don't get it everywhere, do you know? You don't get it everywhere. In some places, they have to import rice. Now, of course, with modernization and all the technology and everything, people are probably growing rice in places that they're not supposed to grow. Okay? But in reality, certain areas like China, India, that do not just any part of India, certain parts of India where there's a lot of rain, like you can't expect to grow rice in Rajasthan. Okay? But there's one thing that's available as a food everywhere, in every place, of every part of the world. You know what that is? Bread. It might be available in different forms. Chapati is bread. Anan is bread. Um, pita bread is bread right a pao is bread sliced bread is bread it's bread all the same might be available in different forms but it's bread and it is available anywhere am I right right now obviously Jesus and the time of Jesus they, they were not using like butter pao and all that stuff okay they, they were just having bread 
probably looked a lot more like pita bread or a lot more like a roti or a naan or something like that but it was bread all the same or maybe a little harder form of our you know big rolls six inch subs <laughs> what's going to happen to subway i wonder okay <laughs> anyways <laughs> um <laughs> they probably start introducing 3 inch subs then okay um oh. bread is available everywhere what are the quality do we see about bread energy gives energy quick energy maybe somebody said it is assimilated quite quickly by the body right so at least you know certain forms of bread yes really i'm not sure okay children can eat it anybody can eat it yes that's true that's true i mean uh, of course that depends on where you're buying it from I mean, if you're walking into hog dog or or subway you'll get it for much more costlier <laughs> but but if you're just buying bread from the baker yes it's very cheap and and the point is you you know what you, this is another another interesting point if i've got bread at home i'm not looked down upon you understand whether i'm rich or whether i'm poor bread is something that anybody has access to and anybody can have correct like for example if i if 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 there's if if the local uh, <coughs> maybe vegetable lady who's not very well off and she's just got a small house she comes and says uh bhai i eyes caviar kelle now that that's not a dish that you would expect okay in her house okay fine you, you wouldn't expect it okay um or 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 of somebody or or of or of maybe the local um, banana seller come, comes and says uh, Do you know what i i i made a cordon bleu now not you want you won't understand those dishes he won't find those dishes at all why because some dishes are to do with status or for that matter uh, you want you won't find somebody uh, like a donald trump saying I loved that roti. Right But because he he wouldn't be in having certain dishes which are which are considered by the world not by me by the world as lower end and some dishes which are considered by the world as higher end. But you see anybody comes up to you and says bread it does not shock you. Correct? If somebody says I have bread or somebody else said I had bread whether the person is a rich billionaire whether the person is a pauper and they said i had bread i pound getle okay it's nothing shocking because bread is accessible by everybody am i right yes mostly everybody correct so bread does not show any distinguishing to caste or creed or or race yeah there's no there's no non bread eaters mostly uh, bread is thankfully vegetarian so everyone eats it right um the, the the same the same bread is useful for meat lovers and not meat lovers right so it does not distinguish bread does not distinguish secondly bread is easy to assimilate by the body thirdly bread is 
you know, available everywhere. What else? Hi, yeah, fills the stomach. That's that's rightly put. <laughs> Especially if it's got a beef steak in it. <laughs> but but but, but uh, jokes apart. Uh, it's it fills the stomach. That's right, right? It fills the stomach. What happened? Ah, okay. Uh, it fills the stomach. So, if if there's somebody hungry on the roadside, uh, more than trying to give that person a tandoori, you would think of giving that person bread if you've got bread, right? Right? You wouldn't go through the trouble of really making because he needs hunger. He's hungry at that moment, and it satisfies hunger for that moment. Am I right? Yes. And then Jesus says, "I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread that provides life to you." Let's see what he says further. <clears throat> Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. And basically, that's what happens. Right? Think of every person who's dead in your family. They've all eaten bread, correct? <laughs> am, I, am I right? <laughs> correct? Think of it. <laughs> I have chapati, roti, yaar, bread. Bread hota hai. Dosa is bread. <laughs> Yeah, th think of every person that's that's dead. They've eaten bread. Now, what do I mean? I don't mean bread kills. I mean that bread does not help you live. <laughs> it just helps you satisfy your, your hunger for that moment. Am I right? It does not help you live forever. It does not help you avert death. I mean, think of somebody who comes up to me. Oh, Vrinda, I don't want to die. And Vrinda says, oh, eat bread. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen, right? That's not going to happen, right? Or somebody, somebody, somebody comes to, uh, to, to Amanda and says... Uh, this is this is the sickness I have and the doctor said only three months. Oh, eat bread. Is it going to make sense? No. It makes sense to certain groups of people that have associations with Rome, but <laughs> not to me. So your fathers, and not to Jesus either, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. Manna was bread, although it was a miraculous bread, in the sense that the bread was, was given to them miraculously, but the bread was, you know, it filled their stomachs. The, the, the miracle in the bread was that, first of all, the way it was provided for them, and second of all, the way the taste was. You know, it would, they say it would give the taste of whatever they desired, correct? And also that it would never run out, it would never rot, and stuff like that. Um, so, that's what bread, that's what the manna bread was like. And so he said, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they are dead, which means uh, basically that um, manna does not help you live, right? It kills you. Why is death there? Because of sin, right? The wages of sin is, keep that at the back of your mind bookmark now next this is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die what is the bread which comes down from heaven i am the bread of life he says so i am the bread which comes down from heaven unlike the manna which was physical bread that was miraculously created and sent i am the manna i am from heaven i am the bread of life i am from heaven and i come down from heaven i don't i'm not just just not only really, just miraculously created like the manna, but I have come down from heaven. I am God. I've come down from heaven. Basically, that's the point he's trying to say. That one may eat of it and not die. Right? Now, your physical bread, listen to the, he's already, he's already bringing symbology there. He so said, your physical bread, you eat of it 
and you it doesn't help you live but i am the bread of life you can eat of me and live now the physical bread helps in the physical jesus is talking about the spiritual here obviously right because what does it what else what else would it mean i mean if he says i am the bread of life as in my flesh is real bread and you can eat my flesh i mean literally take bites of my fingers then um, he's again talking about physical bread in a sense he's again talking about physical food but basically jesus is here already trying to distinguish between physical food and spiritual food and he's saying that the physical food satisfies the body but it satisfies the body temporarily and you anyways die so it doesn't help the body from from dying but the spiritual food uh, clears things for your soul and if your soul is alive you'll be alive and although your body may die your body will rise again that's what he gets to further uh, are you getting the point he's talking about two different things here uh some people again related to some place in rome uh, say that the the flesh is the real bread i mean the bread is the real flesh and so there is a conversion of that bread to real flesh and then you can eat the flesh now that is something that jesus would never have said because jesus was a jew and he was a good one at that okay remember he went into the temple no jew who goes to the temple would say come eat me okay Th- there has to be something about it no jew who's called a rabbi which is a title of a teacher in a synagogue would ever say that okay and he wouldn't contradict himself and to know for sure that he wouldn't say that remember later in the acts of the apostles the apostles pray and through the power of the holy spirit they say it, it is it is pleasing to us and the holy spirit to let you know this one thing that you have no other obligation as a christian besides these that you do not commit sexual immorality that you do not eat food offered to idols and that you do not eat anything in what blood correct so that's what the early church believed in <laughs> that you can't eat blood now if jesus was offering real flesh poses a problem anyways that's not the topic today we are not here to debate about communion um <clears throat> although i have kept the breaking of the bread last for a certain reason i am the living bread which came down from heaven if anyone eats of this bread he will live forever and the bread that i shall give is my flesh which i give for the life of the world <clears throat> <clears throat> now he he is very clear he says the bread that i shall give is my flesh which i give for the life of the world how did jesus give his flesh for the life of the world by dying on the cross so he is trying to say that i'm drawing a symbol a symbolism here by calling like a muhavra in hindi i'm trying to draw symbolism here by calling my flesh bread because just as bread gives you temporary life i'm the bread of life which is going to give you everlasting life how because the bread that i'm going to offer you is actually my flesh my flesh is going to be given up for you and that's how it's going to provide life to you it's it's very clear isn't it it's very very clear in it the bread that i shall give is my flesh which i shall give for the life of the world that's the bread right what's the bread the fact that jesus gave his life on the cross right jesus died on the cross so <clears throat> here's my point uh, the talk is not about debating with catholics it's about christians the problem is with believer christians okay listen the bread 
is this fact the flesh right or rather the fact that jesus gave up his flesh on the cross correct that's the bread correct my point is there's a problem somehow we christians are not eating this bread now what do i mean by eating this bread listen to what he says initially in verse 47 he says moses will say to you he who believes in me has everlasting life believes in me everlasting life then he says he who eats my flesh has everlasting life now what does that mean it means that believing in jesus is basically like eating that bread what's the bread the flesh that he has to offer what's that what happened at the cross now this is a life changing moment for you remember this is the secret this is the key this is the basis based on which you can look at satan and say you have to leave me and you can look at sickness and say you have to go this is the basis on which it's done you can look at the torment satan is trying to bring about in you and say go you can't torment me anymore this is the basis what's the basis we'll get to it <clears throat> so he says i am the living bread which came down from heaven if anyone eats of this bread he will live forever and the bread that I, then he explains he says the bread that i shall give is my flesh which i will give for the life of the world now how did he give his flesh for the life of the world by dying on that cross and he says the bread that i shall give is basically my death on the cross and so we've got to eat the death of christ when you eat bread it becomes part of you it is assimilated we've got to really understand and assimilate what really happened on the cross now <clears throat> the jews were looking at the physical and so they start saying how can this man give us his flesh to eat and jesus i mean if he was not jesus i would have used the word cheeky here but he takes a step further he says unless you eat the flesh of the son he does not stop with the flesh he says unless you eat the flesh and drink my blood Now some people have fallen for it those who have got an association place called Rome have fallen for it and said see Jesus is explaining that which means you're missing the point what is really trying to say is unless you eat the flesh of the son now what is the flesh the bread the flesh that he was going to give up is the bread so he says unless you eat that bread unless you eat the fact that my body is going to be given up for you and my blood is going to be shed for you you have no life in you i think the problem is this and i know the problem is this that too many christians in christendom today in the uh, catholics are not christians so too many christians today have not been eating and drinking the flesh and the blood of christ had they been doing that there would be life flowing through them too many christians have not been believing in what happened on the cross in such a way that it is assimilated and really becomes part of them and so have no life in them you understanding he 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 explains it for anybody who doesn't understand he takes it further he says whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has it in a life and i will raise him up at the last day so you see we know throughout scripture unless you believe you will not have it in a life unless you have faith you are not saved if you have faith you are saved what it means to be saved you will have it in a life and you will be raised up on the last day correct yes so says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood you shall not now would jesus contradict scripture not at all now 
Paul is very very clear. Paul says that you have eternal life. You are saved. How? By grace through faith. So you are saved by grace through faith. Now, with Jesus, and, and he's very clear. You are not saved by something that you're doing. He makes it very clear. Not by anything that you do, lest you boast of it, he says. Right? Not by anything that you do. He says you are saved by grace through faith. Not by anything that you do. Now would Jesus contradict that and say, you are saved by eating this and drinking that? No, no, no. Unless he's talking symbolically. And so the symbolic meaning of it would be that we have to really assimilate and eat up what happened on the cross. If we don't, we won't have life in us. Amen? Okay, that's not all. For my flesh is food indeed. And the Jews, the Pharisees are literally pulling their head off. Okay, like, What on earth is this guy talking about? What's the meaning? They're not getting the symbolic meaning as yet. Do you understand? They know Jesus is not saying what he, what he says is saying. They know he's speaking symbolically, but they can't get the meaning. Had they not understood that Jesus was symbol, speaking symbolically, he would have been stoned there and there. They wouldn't have left him. Eating blood was a big no-no. It's like somebody bringing pork in the middle of Jerusalem Square. Okay? You can't do that. Right? In the same way, eating blood, eating flesh and blood of human beings was a big no. And so, when Jesus said that, if, if they thought that he really meant it, they would have stoned him and arrested him and done whatever there and there. But they don't do that. Right? They don't do it. They're just puzzled at what he's really trying to say. And that's why they say, how is he going to give us his flesh? Means, what is he really trying to say? What's the meaning? Then, for my flesh is food indeed, my blood is drink indeed. Remember, what does food and drink do? It nourishes us. And so, the death and, the death and the shedding of the blood, the crucifixion and the shedding of the blood of Jesus on the cross should be nourishing our bodies. Do you understand? It should be nourishing our souls. It should be nourishing our lives. But that's really not happening. Because people have not been assimilating, taking in what happened on the cross. I've still not started the talk. This is just the butter. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Now there's another place where we find this abides in me and I in him. It's in John 15. Now if you turn to John 15... <coughs> Keep your finger on John 6. It's one passage where Christians avoid and it's the one passage that is the key to understanding what happened on the cross. John 6. So John 15. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear. So Jesus in John 15 is very, very clearly trying to compare himself to the main stem of the vine and each of us as branches from the vine. Okay. So if we abide in him, if we attach ourselves into the main stem, we abide in him. The word abide has got no other hidden meaning in Greek. It just means what it is. Stay where you are. Tarry on. Remain there. Attach to. Okay? That's what it means. So it says, unless the branch is abiding in the vine, it will not bear fruit. Correct? Yeah? Have you heard of that uncle who cut off a mango, a branch of a mango tree and left it out in his porch? It grew mangoes the next year, it seems. Can it be possible? Not possible at all. <laughs> right? It's not possible. The moment you cut off the branch from the main tree, it's not going to bear any fruit. It's going to die slowly. Okay? So, we see too many Christians dying slowly because basically we are not abiding in Him. 
we abide in him we remain in him we will have life and then see what happens he also says a little further there if you abide in me and my words abide in you you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you the problem is we are not abiding in him and his words are not abiding in us remember when you see a branch of a tree there is no circulation happening do you realize in your body there is a circulation what circulation that means the same fluid the blood goes from one end goes to put it in very crude language gets dirty gets cleaned up and then comes back again okay there is a circulation that really really happens in a tree there's no circulation within the tree that really happens because the nutrition the nourishment comes from the soil it's not part of the tree into the stem goes into the branch the branch does not provide any nutrition to the stem it's a stem that provides nutrition to the branch and then there's evaporation whatever else that takes place there so the tree survives because the branches are attached to the stem and the stem provides what nourishment to the branch and that's what he's really saying he's saying if you abide in me my life power will flow through me to you i'm not alive because of you you cut off branches is not necessary that the tree dies right you cut off the stem then it's gone correct so i am not surviving because of you but you are surviving because of me if you are cut off from me you're not not going to be any more but i've given you an opportunity for you to abide in me and the way you abide in me is by remaining attached to me now i always ask the lord lord how do we abide in you how on earth do we abide in you and then the lord showed me john chapter 6 and in john chapter 6 he says he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me now we've got to really check this flesh and blood out because the moment we eat the flesh and drink the blood we are going to be attached to him and we are going to abide in him the moment we assimilate believe in such a way that we assimilate every aspect of what really happens on the cross we assimilate it understand it then we will be abiding in him otherwise we can't abide in him do you understand so the basis by which we are grafted in and attached to the main stem of the tree or of the vine is the cross if that's not there then we are not going to be attached do you understand that's why we've got to figure out what this whole thing is about what's the eating of the flesh what's the eating drinking of the blood are you ready yes then just turn to mark 15 mark chapter 15 verses 32 to 34 these two verses changed my life like a lot of other verses but this changed my life differently mark 15 and 34 remember jesus is already making a distinguishing uh, a, a, a difference a distinguishing between the physical food and the spiritual food he's saying the physical food does not help you live forever does not avert death but the physical the spiritual food averts death what's the spiritual food the fact that jesus died on the cross the fact that our charge sheet is cancelled if we assimilate this completely then we will be alive we will be raised up to life and we will have everlasting life are you ready yes let's go to mark 15 just hold on a second what satan has done is he's tried his best to make sure 
people don't understand what Mark 15:34 really says. He has ruined the meaning of it and he has got people to focus on the wrong thing. Let me tell you what it means. Verse 33. Now when the sixth hour had come. Now what's the sixth hour? Sixer. It does not mean six o'clock. Okay. Because according to the Jewish time, the, it was either sunset to sunset or sunrise to sunrise depending on where you are. And in fact, you will find that in certain parts, like maybe in Matthew, and if you compare it to John, you will find the timings a bit off. Okay, Matthew says certain things happen at certain time on the day of the crucifixion. John will say that happened at certain time because John was using Roman time. He was in Ephesus, which was in Rome under the Roman Empire, and Matthew, Mark were using Jewish time. The Jewish time, different places worked differently. Certain places in in Israel had a sunset to sunset timing. and certain places in israel had a sunrise to sunrise timing so the problem came on the day of passover on the day of passover they would have the meal on the eve of the passover correct no that's the whole problem okay the passover meal was had on the day of the passover right the lamb was taken to be sacrificed at the temple and then brought back home and then there was a meal that meal of passover was had but in the case of jesus jesus has the meal of passover one day earlier why is that because certain parts of israel followed a sunset to sunset timing and certain parts of israel followed a sunrise to sunrise timing now if it's a sunrise to sunrise timing the passover would be on a particular day and if it's a sunset to sunset timing the passover would be on the next day so literally when passover was celebrated and those times of jesus it was two days not one so if you were from certain parts like galilee and certain parts you would celebrate it the previous day and if you were from certain other parts closer to jerusalem you would celebrate it on the following day okay so Jesus preferred to have the meal the previous day because he was he knew he was going to die the next day okay and this is what happens so he had the symbolism on the first day and the real deal on the second day listen what happens sixth star so sixth star if you consider sunrise to sunrise timing 6 o'clock would be sunrise that's the first star 7 o'clock is the se- second star 8 o'clock is the third star you come down 1 o'clock is the sixth star okay There was darkness over the whole land. One o'clock darkness is a big deal. Now, Mark is really speaking this like a reporter. So he's really saying, now at one p.m. there was darkness over the whole land till three p.m. He's really saying the time like a reporter would say the time. Then he goes on and says, and at the and at the ninth hour, that's at three p.m., Jesus cried out with a loud voice. At 3 p.m., Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, "Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani," which basically is translated as, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" Simple words, right? But the next few minutes, your life is going to be changed. My God, My God, why have you forsaken me? Remember this was Jesus. Remember when he was at the Jordan where John the Baptist was baptizing? What does John the Baptist see? 
You see, the Holy Spirit come down like, like a dove and then, then he hears the Father say something. This is my beloved son with whom I am. Well, please, remember the transfiguration? The three apostles who are with Jesus. What do they hear the Father saying? The same thing. This is my beloved son. Listen to what he says. Right? This is my beloved son. Now, my question is, at this place, the Father has literally forsaken the Son. How come? This was the Jesus who said, it is my food to do the will of my Father. And here at this moment, it almost seems like the Father has abandoned. If you look at the Greek word there, it means abandoned, left in lack. That means, say for example, somebody has lost the house keys and then loses the house and then loses his wallet, loses all the money, has got his t-shirt torn, is on the road, literally almost naked, no food, is beaten up and then somebody who could help him is just leaving him like that. That's the real symbolic, that, that's the real meaning in, behind the Greek word. Left in lack. Somebody who reaches a dire circumstances and then you just leave him that. That way forsaken. Abandoned. Forsaken. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did God forsake Jesus? So what? He who knew no sin became sin. So Jesus really did not sin. That we know for sure. Listen to what you're saying very carefully, okay? Jesus knew no sin. That's for sure. But he took the blame of your sin and my sin. Am I right? He took the blame of our sin upon his own body. Which means every sin that you've ever committed and ever will commit, he took the blame on him. He was the accused. He was the accused before the court of God. The courts of God were ringing guilty, 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 guilty. Who was the one in the, in the criminal box? It was Jesus Christ. Did he do anything? No, but he took the place. Do you understand? He took the place. And so, my question is, why did God forsake him? Why was he abandoned? And actually, if you look at my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You keep your finger there and you turn to Psalm 22. You turn to Psalm 22. And you will see something really interesting. Remember, David does not know what is the meaning of a crucifixion. He's writing a prophetic psalm. Listen to what he says. Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Oops. Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you understand what's happening here? Jesus is not only just crying out to the Father and saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's literally probably crying out the whole psalm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Look at that. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and I'm not silent. What does this sound like? Somebody who has been abandoned, right? 
right so if somebody is forsaken by god think about it imagine if you were forsaken by god what would your state be think about it we'll get to it but you are holy and thrown in the praises of israel our fathers trusted in you they trusted and you delivered them they cried to you and you were delivered they trusted in you and you were not ashamed sorry they trusted in you and were not ashamed but i am a worm this is jesus i am a worm and no man you know you look at a worm in the garden you don't think twice you just go and you smash it out right okay sorry and no man a reproach of man and despised by people all those who see me ridicule me and they shoot out the lip they shake the head saying he trusted in the lord let him rescue him he let him deliver him since he delights in him but you are he who took me out of the womb you made me trust while on my mother's breasts i was cast out from you i, I, I was cast upon you from birth jesus says i was yours from the very beginning from my mother's womb you have been my god now this is the human side of jesus literally saying you have been my god be not far from me for trouble is near but there is none to help many bulls have surrounded me strong bulls of bashan have encircled me they gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion it's basically what happened when jesus was at the cross everyone was jeering at him i am poured out like water and my bones are out of joint you can't be hanging on a cross and not have your shoulders dislocated do you understand you can't be on a cross and have your shoulders dislocated are you feeling the pain are you understanding what the pain is like yes are you looking at that pain and that grimace and that horror are you that's exactly what satan wants you to look at because you're going to miss the point if you're just going to look at that pain this is what jesus went through but try and understand what really happened behind the scenes okay the reason people have been moving off from the cross in the early days of christianity is because the roman catholic church started focusing on look at the pain of jesus on the cross and forgot why the pain of jesus on the cross do you understand go on and all my bones are out of joint my heart is like wax now if you are there and you're breathing hard you're finding difficult to breathe your heart is going to be basically pumping out every drop of blood it's going to be melting like wax okay it has melted within me my strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue clings to my jaws you have brought me to the dust of death for dogs have surrounded me the this was jesus christ he looked at lazarus and said come forth remember he's jesus christ the congregation of the wicked has enclosed me they pierced my hands and my feet how did david really know that this was hundreds of years before crucifixion was even invented i can count all my bones they look and they stare at me they divide my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots this is basically what happened everyone knows this but you o lord do not be far from me o my strength hasten to help me deliver me from the sword my precious life from the power of the dog save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen you have answered me he says at the end what is this whole thing what 
First of all, why was Jesus forsaken and abandoned by God? Because he was a representative of you and me on that cross. He was the chief accused. When he didn't do anything. He was the chief accused. When he didn't do anything. He stood there. As the accused. He took the blame of everyone's sin. Do you believe that? Yes, are you sure? Everyone believes that. That's the problem. We only stop there. Let's look at it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you read those few verses that I just read, it just shows that there is somebody who's, the person who's speaking those words are, are, is basically abandoned by God. Correct? The person is feeling abandoned by God. Now, put yourself in those shoes and say, imagine if you were abandoned or forsaken by God, what would be happening to you? What, was your what would your state be like? Can you think about it? This is where I miss a board sometimes. What would your state be like? Hopeless. You know what that means, right? Give up. Okay, what else? Cursed. Okay, what does that mean? Let's be more specific. Deserted, okay. These are all nice hi-fi meanings, but in reality, in physical reality, what would you be like, man? Huh? Oh, would die eventually, yes. Death would be a lot eventually. Uh, spiritually dead yes i mean have you thought about it can a person who has been abandoned by god make a prayer oops can a person who is abandoned by god worship can a person abandoned by god praise Right? What else? What else? What else would somebody who's forsaken by God be like? And pay careful attention. Satan's going to try and distract you at this very moment. This is the key. This is the key. I repeat, this is the key to understanding what your life of victory as a Christian is like. If somebody is abandoned, if you were abandoned or forsaken by God, what would your state be like? Think about it. Um, may or may not be. Jesus was abandoned, but he didn't curse, right? So, sorry, we've gone mental. Okay, an unsound mind. Okay. Somewhat feeling like Job. <sighs> okay, yeah. You can say to a certain extent, yes. Somewhat feeling like Job. Yeah. 
Yes, that's what I'm looking for. You'd be more, you'd more attracted towards the worldly stuff, right? Why? Because you've got no hope. You've got to make a hope. You, you've got to make yourself a new hope, right? You're lost. You're confused. You've got to make your own life. You've got to make your own way. Right? Do you understand? You have the choice not to. Now, somebody really wants God back. Imagine if there's a person who really believes that there is a God, really wants God back and is abandoned by him. Now, that person may or may not really go to the world. But there is a chance, there is a tendency, there is a big temptation that yes. More than looking at the things of the world, I think it is your focus would be on the physical. Correct? Your, your eyes would be on the physical, on what's happening physically. Correct? Rather than what's happening spiritually. Correct? Then what else? What else? If somebody is abandoned by God. Problem is we are not using our minds. Remember what Psalms 1 says, right? It says, I meditate on the word of God day and night. You know what meditate means? The word meditate is the same word used for a cow chewing the cud. My mind is basically working at what the word of God is really saying. Now, I'm not trying to imagine new things from the word of God, but I'm trying to look at it and really understand the full impact of what it really says. That's what meditate is. Now, what does forsaken mean then? Sorry? I, I could have made this talk go faster so that people can reach back home quickly, but this is too important to really ignore. So forsaken. Okay, now, now th that's really looking at other people. I'm talking about you. What if you were forsaken by God? What would you do? What would your state be like? Would you be lost? Would you know what to do next? You would be in a lot of confusion? Okay. Would you be healthy? No. Would you be sick? Yes. Would sickness be a lot? Yes. What about torment? What about torment from evil spirits? Yes. From where should a person who is tormented by evil spirits look for deliverance if he is abandoned by God? Imagine a person who is trying to cast out from himself an evil spirit but he is abandoned by God saying in the name of Jesus. But listen, Jesus has abandoned you. God has abandoned you. Would you be able to do deliverance? Not at all. Oh man. What else? Would you be in bondage? Yes. You would be singing King of Kings, Lord of Lords and you would be referring to Satan because he would be your king. And he would be your Lord because you are deserted by God himself.
Do you understand? Yes? Okay, do you realize that was your state just before you became Christian? The problem is when we are abandoned and forsaken by God, we are forsaken and abandoned because of our sin, right? And so here was Jesus forsaken and abandoned by God. Why? For you. Lost, confused, deserted. Look, look at the words of Psalms 22. Lost, confused, deserted. Spiritually dead, physically about to be dead, sick. There's any sickness Jesus had it at that time. Sick. What else would you expect? There's less blood. Your heart is hardly pumping anything. Your shoulders are dislocated. What would you expect? All possible sicknesses, right? Tormented. Bound. Literally abandoned by God. Do you understand? Yes or no? <laughs> yes. On that cross, Jesus was abandoned by God. Why? For whose sake? Means what? Means what? Why is there, there's a whole host of Christians that are behaving like they are abandoned. There's too many Christians living like they are in stress, depressed, lost, confused, tormented, sick, bound, as though they have been abandoned by God. But you know the good news? Jesus has done it all. He has already been abandoned. So when somebody comes up and says, I can't hear the Lord. Well, I don't know. Looks like you don't believe because that can't hear the Lord moment already happened. Jesus did it. Do you understand? That can't hear the Lord moment has already happened 2,000 years back. He was forsaken on your behalf. He was abandoned on your behalf. What's the opposite of abandoned? Looking for a word. Do you understand that Jesus was forsaken, abandoned on your behalf that you may be adopted? I don't know whether you understand the full impact of it. Think about it. And often on the roadside, what does he have to fear? Everything. What does he have to st get stressed about? Everything. 
Is he prone to sickness and disease? Yes, of course. Malnutrition? Yes, of course. Will he be in lack? Yes, of course. Does he have a huge bank balance? Absolutely not. Is he naked? Yes, of course. Does he have a father? No, none. Is he, is he open to attacks? Yes, of course. Can he be bound by Satan? Yes, of course. If you are forsaken by God, you are a ping pong ball in the hands of Satan. And the problem is, Satan has planned out the most biggest deception in the history of mankind. You know what that is? To convince a Christian that they are abandoned. So a Christian starts believing that they are abandoned by God. But they don't really say it out loud, you see. They feel it in phases and parts. So there's a lot of stress. It's a sign of being abandoned, right? There is sickness. A sign of being abandoned, right? There's a lot of torment, a sign of being abandoned, right? A lot of bondage, a sign of being abandoned, right? Confusion, lost, can't hear the Lord, signs of being abandoned, right? The biggest deception in history, the biggest cover-up in history is this, that a Christian is abandoned by God. But you know what? Praise be to God. God is revealing new things to those who believe in him. And this is what he is telling. That he was already abandoned for your sake. He was already abandoned for your sake. What are you behaving like you are abandoned for? You see, a person who is abandoned by God will not be able to worship and praise him. Do you understand? And we've got too many Christians not being able to freely praise and worship God. Because Satan has convinced them that they are abandoned. And so they have to work up because in their mind they are abandoned. They have to work up a praise. They have to work up a thanks. They have to work up a worship. Because everyone's convinced that they are abandoned. When in reality Jesus has paid it all. You are not abandoned. But you are adopted. You were abandoned. But Jesus did not abandon you. God did not abandon you. God came down as man. Jesus bore the abandonment that you may be adopted. So when you say God can't hear my problem. Well you are not really believing and eating the flesh and the blood of Christ. If you assimilated all that he really that really happened on that cross, you would understand I am not abandoned. Whatever is his problem has to go. I am a son. You know, on one, on one side of the spectrum, we've got an orphan on the roadside who's got all possible needs, all possible threats, all possible security problems, all possible rejection, all possible sickness to all possible attacks and on the other side we've got the son of Donald Trump okay now I've got nothing against him but I just know he's got a lot of money <clears throat> you've got the son of Donald Trump now will Donald Trump's son ever feel rejected maybe emotionally but that's because Donald Trump is a human father <laughs> now you know God is your father But a question really came to my mind today morning. 
would Donald Trump beat up his son, inject his son with a dangerous virus, strip him of his clothes and send him on the street so that he can learn how to become rich? Not at all. It works in movies, but it really doesn't work in reality, does it? Not at all. Would you do it for any of your children? Not at all. You wouldn't do it for any of your children, right? Right? Why would God do it for you? It already happened. It already happened. Jesus was abandoned on your behalf. Jesus was forsaken that you may be found. That you may be provided for. Does Donald Trump's son have to think about what he's going to eat next? Or worry that there's no food at home? Not at all. Does Donald Trump's son have to worry about the money or sickness or anything of that sort? No, there's medicine, there's everything, there's everything, everything, everything's provided for. But Jesus was abandoned that you may be adopted by God. Adopted by God. Do you know what that means? You are the king's daughter and the king's son. You are the king's daughter and the king's son. We have authority. We have power. At our disposal as sons and daughters of the most high. Jesus was already abandoned on our behalf. We are so easily willing to accept the fact that he died for our sins. We are not really understanding that he died for our sins means he died and was abandoned on our behalf. That we may be found, provided for, adopted. Adopted. Do you understand that? You are adopted. So when you walk into a sickness, when you walk into somebody who's got sickness, you are walking in not as somebody who's abandoned by God and you're crying out, God, please hear me if possible. I'll fast also for you. I'll do this, I'll do that. No, 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 no. You're walking in as a son, as a daughter of God and you speak to the sickness, go in, it has to go. Because you are adopted. And so when you, walk into, when, when you walk into somebody who is tormented by evil spirits. And that person. You cannot at any point say. That that spirit is not going to listen to me. You know why? Because the not listening has already taken place. It happened on the cross. Now it's not a not listening phase. It's a listen listen phase. Is an ask and you shall receive face. Now, it's victory. The one lesson that you can learn about living in victory is this. That Jesus was already forsaken on your behalf that you may be found. Can we say that together? Jesus was forsaken. That I... May be, may be adopted. Whoa. Can we say that again? Jesus was forsaken. Jesus was forsaken on, my on my behalf. That I may be adopted. I may be adopted by, the by the Lord. If you turn to Isaiah 53. This is made even more clear. 
verse 3 he he is despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him he was despised and we did not esteem him surely he has borne our griefs do you understand if he's borne your sins he's borne your sickness he's borne your disease he's borne everything that would make you an abandoned child of god what are the marks of being an abandoned child of God? Sickness, disease, not being in authority, being tormented, doing deliverance and nothing happening, praying and nothing happening, speaking to a situation and nothing happening. You will speak like a person who's hopeless. You will walk like a person who's hopeless. You would talk like a person who's hopeless. You know why? Because you are abandoned by God. But Jesus was already abandoned on your behalf that you might live, walk, talk, behave and act like a child of God. Amen? That you will live, talk, walk, act, behave like a child of God. This is the eating. You've got to eat it up. You've got to believe it. You've got to assimilate it. You've got to meditate on it. You've got to let it sink in. And the more you do it, the more you will be attached to the wine. And he will abide in you and then you will ask anything and it will be done. Why? Because you are adopted. You will be, you are adopted. You are adopted. That's why Jesus said, my father and your father. That's why he said what he said. That's why he said you will do greater things than these. The problem is we as Christians are not understanding that Jesus was forsaken on our behalf that we are adopted by him. We are adopted. We are found We've got to believe this. We've got to believe this. It's not about anything that you've done. You've got to believe this. This has happened. It's an event that has taken place. There's nothing that you can change about it. There's nothing you can do about it. It's an event that has been settled once and for all. Do you doubt? Do you doubt when you go to vote if you've got a voting card? Do you doubt? Of course, in Goa it works that way. My doubt because my name, I got a voting card, but my name is not on the electoral roll. <laughs> but if your name is on the electoral roll, would you doubt that you can't vote? Not at all. Not at all. When you got a license with you, would you doubt? Oh, maybe the police will catch me because I can't drive. No, 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 you've got a license. You just believe it easily, right? Do you understand that Jesus was already forsaken on your behalf? Listen to me. Jesus was forsaken, abandoned, left in the dark, left out, 
left in lack, left in dire circumstances, left sick and dead for you so that you may be adopted. Now many people have just been focusing on the first part. Jesus was abandoned and been having novenas and litanies and, and talks and doctrines and discourses about just this. But not understanding why he was. He was so that you may be adopted. You are adopted. The son of a president has got nothing to fear. Do you understand? And the son of the king of kings more so has got nothing to fear. He doesn't. Doesn't have to fear. Am I going to have less money? Oof. You are the son of the president. And I tell you, people are understanding this. People are understanding this and we goans are not getting it. We are hearing stories of remote places in remote parts of the, of the villages of India. Stories like the one that I just heard today afternoon. Where a woman ran out of rice. And it just happened a few days back. She ran out of rice. She had no rice. She had no food to make. And because of one of the things that was told to her. About the teaching that we had recently. Speak it, believe it, without doubting it shall be done. She spoke and she said, thank you Lord for providing for food every day for me. She went to meet a neighbor. She came back and there was a five kilo sack of rice. They were facing a lot of trouble because there was a storm. There was no electricity. There was a lot of trouble there. Lots and lots of trouble. She spoke to the electricity and the electricity came on. And then the son said, if Jesus can listen to you, I can speak in power and it will be done. And he spoke to the storm and the storm was stopped. My dear brothers and sisters, this is living in victory. Why are we sleeping? Why are we doubting? Oh, maybe God will listen to me. Maybe God will not listen to me. I don't know. Maybe this is true. Maybe that is not true. Maybe this. Why are we doubting? That's doubt. That's unbelief. We are adopted. Do you understand what that means? That means I will walk into any situation and it will work in my favor because my father is God. As long as I'm walking in his will. Do you understand? Yes or no? Yes. It means that he, he was abandoned on our behalf that we might be found. That we might not be abandoned. You know what's the, the opposite of abandoned in the dictionary? There's no antonym. There's no opposite. <laughs> The best opposite that Google can throw up to me is stick by. To stick by. Abandon? To stick by. And there was a preacher who, who brought, brought to notice something very interesting. He said, 
John the Baptist was a great prophet literally. But the least in the kingdom of heaven will be even greater than John the Baptist. Do you know why? Because all the prophets, all the prophets looked forward to Jesus. Looked forward to Jesus. John the Baptist looked at Jesus and said, there goes the Lamb of God. But you and I as Christians are adopted children of God. We don't have to say, there goes the Lamb of God. Because for us, Jesus is in us and with us every single moment. We are not orphans. We are adopted. Let's not behave like we are orphans. Let's not behave like we are rejected. Let's not behave like we are lost and sick and depressed and stressed out. Let's not behave like we have been forsaken by God because that has already happened. Don't try to be your Messiah. It has happened already. Start living your life of victory which has been earned by the precious blood of Jesus. It's not about pride. It's not about pride. It's not about pride, but it's about not showing false modesty unnecessarily. God will never send you sickness to teach you something. Nor send you an accident to teach you something. Nor send you problems. Just like Donald Trump's son or you yourself wouldn't do it for any of your children to teach them something, to, to make them learn something. You wouldn't. You wouldn't do it, would you? Then why would God? Why would God? We are a new breed of human beings. Do you understand that? The moment you put your faith in Jesus, you are a new breed of human beings. Something interesting that I learned. In Genesis, God speaks to Adam and he says, you have authority, dominion, right? Over all the earth, correct? Fine. Then Adam sins. Who is the dominion of all the earth transferred to? Satan. So who gave Satan the dominion of all the earth? Not God. Adam literally sold it out by his sin. He was thrown out from his dominionship because of his sin. And it was given up to Satan. Now cut back to the time of Jesus. Jesus comes, is in the desert waiting on the Father, praying and fasting. And the tempter, Satan, comes back to him. And he says, he tells him, listen, all these kingdoms, all these countries and governments are given to me i have authority they have been given over to me that's why he's called the god of this world right they are given over to me now tell me he says if you bow to me i can give it all to you as satan thought he could play around with him because after adam every human being became a slave of the dominion of satan because adam had the dominion of the world that was transferred to Satan. So everyone born in the world became what? A slave of Satan. Correct? Under the dominion and authority of Satan. But Jesus was not born in the world. Jesus was not born of a human being. He was born by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was a new breed of species. A new species of human beings. Do you understand? Yes. And he says in Matthew, I have authority over I have all authority under heaven and earth. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me.
करेक्ट ओके देन ही सेज इफ यू बिलीव इन मी यू विल बी वॉट बॉर्न अगेन एंड वेन यू आर बॉर्न अगेन यू आर द सेम अमांडा द सेम मेलनी सेम ग्लोरिया द सेम सैंड्रा वृंदा विद्या साव्य अविनाश आनल्ड बेनी माइकल द सेम किरण द सेम अमित but born again and a new species is born not under the authority of satan that's why jesus had to come down as man to snatch the authority from under satan's feet now it's not adam's authority but adam had authority only over the earth but it's jesus's authority it's the authority over the spiritual remember what the word of god says we have to walk by faith and not by sight if you are abandoned by god you start walking by looking at the physical realm of things you look at a sickness and you say this is the cause of it that is what happened this is what happened that is what happened this is what happened but you walk as a son of god you say this is a work of the devil go remember what he says if you eat my flesh and drink my blood you will have everlasting life now imagine you're already living your everlasting life everlasting life is not after death it's now now what is everlasting life somebody who lives an everlasting life does not have a concept of time do you understand what that means because you can't be in everlasting life and say okay now i'm 3 hours old or 3 years old in everlasting life because everlasting life is not bound by time it's not bound by time do you agree everything in the world in the physical realm is bound by time but everything in the spiritual realm is not bound by time because it is everlasting that's why your soul is an everlasting soul but it can be everlastingly dead or everlastingly alive but in everlasting there is a no concept of time in this world there is a concept of time right like samara can't be here and there and there and there at the same time why she's bound by time you can't be here and there at the same time your body is bound by time so you've got a body that is bound by time but he says if you eat my flesh and drink my blood you will have everlasting life which means you'll have a body bound by time but living everlastingly your soul your life will be an everlasting life not bound by time not in the physical realm of things not in the physical realm of things so you will walk to a sickness you will walk to a problem you will walk to a situation of darkness you will look at it but since you're living everlasting life you will not look at it in the physical realm you will not look at it in the physical domain you will look at it in the spiritual domain and you will say this is a work of satan you will look at it physically and you will say ah this happened because that fellow banged his head at such and such place but you will look at it in the physical realm and say this happened because he banged his head but satan is involved in this satan wants to keep him bondage this is a work of satan you will walk to somebody who is in torment and say psychological case or you will walk to him in your everlasting life mode <laughs> and say this is a work of satan this is a person who has been abandoned 
because of his sin. He needs to know he doesn't need to be abandoned anymore. That has already happened. You can be adopted now. So once you start walking as an adopted child of God, you start walking in a different world. <laughs> you walk in the situation and you say, this is not what it is. What the physical realm is telling me. It's what the Lord tells me. It's what the spiritual is. Do you understand? Jesus was abandoned. Can we say that again? Jesus was abandoned. That I may be adopted by the Most High Living God. Because Jesus was abandoned, I am a child, a son, or a daughter of God. And I have authority. I have authority. In Jesus' name. That basically what is, that's basically what the meaning of Jesus' name. Do you understand? I've always wondered, what's the meaning of in the name of Jesus? Many people use it as a formula. <laughs> it's not a formula. It's me standing before Melanie and Melanie is having a problem and me standing before Melanie. And I'm not just saying in the name of Jesus because it's a religious formula. I'm saying it because I'm standing in the place of Jesus. And I'm an ambassador of Jesus. And guess what? I have his power of attorney. And just like Jesus stood before somebody who was in bondage and said, Be loosed from your infirmity, I can stand before Melanie and say, Be loosed from your infirmity. I have his power of attorney. That's why Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's not just the Pope's priority. <laughs> That's what every one of us gets as a right. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It means we have the power of attorney of Jesus Christ. What he did, we can do. We don't become gods. That's not what I'm saying. But we have his power of attorney. Just like if I give Amanda my power of attorney, she doesn't become Amit. I might be a rich man with a huge estate and I give her my power of attorney. She doesn't become rich. She doesn't become a rich man with a huge estate. But she can execute deeds on my behalf. She can cancel things on my behalf. Correct? Am I right? She can buy and sell properties on my behalf. She can tell sickness to go on the behalf of Jesus. That's what in the name of Jesus really means. And Jesus has given us his power of attorney, adopted us as his children, because he was forsaken on our behalf. He said, your abandonment, I'm going to take it. I'm going to be like that. I am going to take your sin. And so because of your sin, I'm going to be abandoned like you were. You just have to believe in me. Accept what has happened on the cross. Assimilate it. And then you will be abandoned no more. Amen. Do you want to be adopted? Yes or no? Do you want to be adopted as a child of God? You're already adopted. What do you want? 
the problem is we are not believing that we are you've got to start believing that you are adopted already you want what the thing has already been done it's already been done amen, amen. okay let's close our eyes father we believe that you have revealed to us a truth that is so deep that it cuts deep lord it cuts between the bone and the marrow between the soul and the spirit lord a word that has made us alive today lord a word that has changed our perspective today lord and so today lord we want to start living like your sons and daughters we throw out every unbelief and every doubt that we are not adopted that we are abandoned and we say today that we are ab- adopted by the lord that the abandonment has already taken place jesus did it all when his blood was shed he was already abandoned on my behalf now when i ask i will receive because i am not abandoned anymore now when i speak it will happen because i am not abandoned anymore now when i walk and when i talk i do not have to worry i do not have to be afraid i do not have to be scared i do not have to wonder I do not have to be worried of the attacks of Satan. I will walk where God wants me to walk. I will seek him and I will do what he wants me to do. And then there is nothing that I have to be afraid of. Nothing. No food. No deity, no force that I need to be afraid of. No power of darkness that I need to be afraid of because I am not abandoned anymore. I was but now I am adopted. I am adopted by the Lord. Testify this. Say this. Confess it. Proclaim it. Proclaim it each one of you.